from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We're very thankful for all of you tuning in on this uh, this Thanksgiving couple of days here, Thanksgiving Eve. We're also very thankful for rivalries. We're very thankful for State Carolina this weekend. Yes. State Carolina. We can and will go on and on about the rivalry of it all. We can and will go on and on about uh, state fans and Carolina fans and the trash talk and you planted a flag on our field, er, and your quarterback said you go to state when you can't get into UNC, er. That's what Drake May said, and then he apologized. I don't think he should have apologized. Trash talk is trash talk. You said it, you meant it. But we also want to talk about the football, right? There is a game that's going to go on amongst all of this. And I actually think this game, the X's and O's, the on-field part of this game is fascinating because they are so, so similar while being so, so different. Now, what the heck does that mean? Well, first of all, uh, they've gotten to the same place. They're 8-3. and three. So if you are what your record says you are, they're identical. They're 8-3. and three. But, but also, like, when State has the ball – Okay, so let's focus on when when NC State's on offense. Both sides are very similar, right? They are, you would say, the the weakness, right? Strength on strength will be North Carolina's offense against State's defense. So then weakness on weakness or lesser strength on lesser strength would be NC State's offense against North Carolina's defense. And and the the couple of stars for each team are wildly important. When UNC has the ball, the stars are plentiful, both for the offense and defense on the field. When State has the ball, the stars are few but plentiful. Let's start when uh, when the Wolfpack have it. When the Wolfpack have the ball, Casey Concepcion and Brennan Armstrong are the difference makers for the offense. They're the straws that stir the drink. They are the players that you need to know where they are at all points in time. For the defense, it's Cayman Rucker and Cedric Gray. They are the difference makers for UNC's defense. When you are game planning to compete against these units, it is all about limiting the impact of those four guys, two on each side. If you are a defense going up against State's offense, you like the scouting, the, the scout team, right? The, the scout team mimicking NC State's offense, you have a guy wearing a different color jersey. Usually it's like a yellow penny over your practice jersey, and your coach taps him on the head and says, this is Concepcion. We need to know where he is. They'll move him around. They'll line him up in the backfield. They'll send him in motion. They'll hand it to him, pitch it to him, toss it to him, throw it to him, do everything, reverse it to him. They'll do everything they can to get him the ball. And then you tap Brennan Armstrong or whatever quarterback is on scout team and say, he wants to run it. He, he's big, he's hard to bring down, and he's not afraid to use his legs. All right, let's go ahead, let's play. Same is true on the other side, right? When, you, when you're looking at the team that's supposed to mimic North Carolina's defense, you say, this one here is Cayman Rucker. We need, to know, we need to slide our protections, if at all possible, to make sure he has the proper amount of resources to block him. Right? You, you need to chip. You need a running back to help. You need a tight end to help. You need Cayman Rucker to be bottled up. And then the same is true for Cedric Gray uh, off the ball. They are the, these two units are the definition of you can't let these two guys beat you. But this season, they found a lot of ways to beat people even knowing that. 
Now let's flip it to when North Carolina has the ball. When North Carolina's offense is on the field, NC State's defense is on the field. It's not the same. It's not like worry about these two guys. Right? You look at the offense, and it's like Drake May, Omari and Hampton, Tez Walker, Bryson Nesbitt, J.J. Junes, and, and more. You look at NC State's defense. It starts with Peyton Wilson, Shy Battle, Aiden White, Devin Van, Savion Jackson, and others. It's, it's very much not a, hey, you need to stop these two. In, in those cases, you just have to play the best overall fundamentally sound defense that you possibly can and be aware of the playmakers, but you can't sell out to stop them or beat them or, or avoid any individual because someone else will kill you. Right? Imagine you're, you're playing North Carolina's defense. If Tony Gibson's like, sorry, you're, you're playing uh, defense against North Carolina's offense. That's why I wanted to say that. Tony Gibson, NC State's defensive coordinator, is Tez Walker's not going to beat us. Tez Walker's not going to beat us. Well, all right, if you sell out to do that, Omari and Hampton has no problem picking up 150 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. All right, Omari and Hampton's not going to beat us. You're really going to force Drake May to be the one that beats you? All right, fine. We're going to somehow stop Omari and Hampton and Tez Walker, and we're going to stop the deep ball for guys like Nate McCollum and J.J. Jones. Okay, Bryson Nesbitt is more than capable for catching 10 passes across the middle. Tight end. But the same is true on the opposite side. Right? Imagine you are North Carolina's offense attacking NC State's defense. All right, uh, we need to check every run play away from Peyton Wilson. All right, you're probably going to run right into Davin Van. All right, we can't throw it at Aiden White. He's a preseason all-ACC corner. You're going to pick on shy battle? That doesn't sound like smart business. No. It's so different than when the other two units are on the field. The other two units, like, like to be completely honest, you probably want to check some runs away from if, if Cedric Gray is, is tilted to one side or if Cayman Rucker's on one side because you, you feel more confident going up against the other. That's not that you don't have that kind of either or with one obvious answer when, when North Carolina's offense and NC State's defense are on the field. But to be completely honest, I think that's kind of the way we want it. Yeah. I want to see those, you know, National Geographic two grizzly bears in, in in a in a you know a river fighting over salmon. I want to see strength on strength. All we need is a like a like a whispering guy with a British accent to narrate it for us, <laughs> right? As you can see here, Drake May drops back into the pocket. He's going to try to attack over the air. It's like, oh, I don't know whether to get excited or go to sleep, but I'm here for it. Peyton Wilson is an apex predator. Like, it, it could be the whole thing. That's what I want to see. So, and, and also, I want to see what the coordinators can do when the other sides are on the ball, right? How do you scheme up a defense to take advantage of the attention that Rucker and Gray get? How do you scheme up an offense that somehow gets Casey Concepcion open when everybody in the building knows NC State's electric plays come from Casey Concepcion? And and by the way, both have been doing it, right? Because Cayman Rucker has eight and a half sacks and Cedric Gray has four and a half and Concepcion scores a billion touchdowns. And it's not like they're new breakout performers over the last couple of weeks. They've been circled on the depth chart. Uh, for for Gray and and Rutgers since like two years ago, and for Concepcion at least you know, two months ago, freshman took him a couple weeks to establish himself, but it's been full speed ahead since since like week three. Yeah, and Brennan Armstrong since he came back, we know what the rep is on Brennan Armstrong, right? He wants to run the ball. It's not a secret. 
21 carries last week, and it was probably the best football he's played. He was doing that a lot even before he got benched. A ton. That UConn game, game one, it was like, is there a whole offense really going to be Brennan Armstrong tucking and running? I mean, I think it says something that the first time Brennan Armstrong played, one of the starting running backs was like, I'm, I'm out. And then the next time Brennan Armstrong played, again, one of the running backs at the top, not the top at the depth chart anymore, that'd be Raphael, but one of them was like, I'm out. Right? There's not enough carries going to the running back room when Armstrong's in there. It happened twice in one season. The game's going to be fun, and that's just X's and O's. That doesn't even take into account the amount of trash talk you're going to be hearing from fans at Carter mm-hmm. Finley or, or the amount of, of – I mean, Cayman Rucker already said planting the flag last year uh, in, in Keenan Field after the win for NC State. His words, not mine. It's like taking a load in their living room. So there's the the outside stuff also that's going to play into this one. But just the football is a fascinating matchup. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joining us in studio on this holiday week, which is uh, Thanksgiving, but also State Carolina, counting them both as holidays. Uh, Mike Glennon, former NC State quarterback, longtime NFL quarterback. Uh, Mike, before we, we do talk about State Carolina, um, I always like picking your brain about the, the situation that, that um, uh, Bryce Young has found himself in because you've been in so many different NFL locker rooms, so many different coaches, so many different situations. Uh, I don't even know if you've dealt with this. Have you ever had the the play caller shuffle happen in midseason and where, you know, Frank Reich was the, the play caller for the first, whatever it was, month and a half. Thomas Brown took three games. Now they're back to Frank Reich. I've had the OC fired twice midseason, but I haven't had it go from one back to the other. Uh, it is a unique situation. Um, how difficult is that for a young quarterback? Like, even if they're calling out plays out of the same playbook, right? Same terminology, but it's different, maybe voices in your helmet or different, you know, and you start to anticipate what your guy likes on third down or what your guy likes on, on, like, is there, how difficult is the flip flop? I don't think it's that big of a deal because it's still the same plays. And honestly, a lot of times the coaches kind of come together and come up Usually, you know, the the offensive coordinator oversees it all, and he installs a lot of the first and second down plays. But each coach individually also has a responsibility. So the quarterback coach might be also responsible for a third down. The receiver coach might have a big say in, in the red zone. So everyone's kind of working together. The main thing would honestly be the voice in the head, which isn't that big of a deal at the end of the day. So I, I don't actually find it that, that big of a deal because it is the same offense. Now, when you go from uh, a coach being fired – that can change things because then the next guy wants to own it. He yeah, he wants to own it. He wants to put in his own wrinkles, which may have happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, that could have happened to an extent, but I have a feeling that without the coach actually being fired, the offense of of plays that were in in a given week were probably mostly the same. Um, is there is there any confidence issues when they're doing the flip flop? Like because because to me, play caller is one of those things where like you have to be decisive. You have to. This is the play, and it's going to work. And and you know, if the safety comes down, we got a touchdown, boys. And and then all of a sudden, you get out there, and it's like you know, well, it wasn't me, but now it is me again. And 
we thought it was him, but it's not him anymore. It just it, that doesn't really align. See, and this is me basing it off of rumors of what you you see on TV and on the internet is that they're saying Frank Wright could possibly you know be a one and done yep. coach. So me personally, I kind of like that Frank Wright took it back over because it's like if we're gonna go down, we're gonna <laughs> go down with me as a play caller, and I'm taking ownership of this. And so I I didn't mind the move back um, to it, but just because. It's like if, if this sink is going to ship, it's going to be with me as the captain driving the boat. Um, and uh, so uh, if we're going to hit the iceberg, I want to hit the iceberg. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, but he's the leader of the team. He's a head coach. Um, so I think that's him kind of taking ownership. And, um, you know, he wants full responsibility of, of whatever way this ends. We're talking with Mike Glennon, former NC State quarterback, longtime NFL quarterback as well. Uh well, what is it like to hear rumors of your coach's job security? <laughs> like, it's one of those things that everybody says, oh, we don't pay attention to it. But there's 0% chance you haven't heard it or, you know, like the locker room has ESPN on. And, like, what do you do? Just calmly walk up and, and mute it when they start talking about your coach being on the hot seat? Yeah, I, I am way too familiar with this situation <laughs> as I've – I think I've said on the show before of really nine full years of, of playing in the NFL, I think – the coach I had fired seven <laughs> of those nine years. Um, so yes, around this time, around Thanksgiving, you start seeing kind of re reports of uh, this guy's job security. And I think it's talked about a little, but what people don't realize in the NFL is everyone is playing for their next job. I mean, coaches, players, it's just the, the reality of the business. So um, I don't think guys get too hung up on it just because from a, a selfish individual standpoint, I'm, I'm also playing for my next job, and, and no one wants to see the coach get fired because I, I think the average turnover rate in the NFL is about 33%, and when a coach or a GM gets fired, that number goes up to about 50%. So it's not good for anyone involved uh, when the coach gets fired. It is it's uh, it is impossible to avoid, but it's honestly, I don't think it's talked about that much. It's just like it is what it is. We got to go out and play not only you know to win the game, but we're playing for our future as well. Like. The, we hear this all the time about you know coaches and GMs want to bring in their guy. The, like you have to see it as if they fire him, I'm his guy. So the next guy, I might not be, and it's like an audition process. Correct. And I think I mean that's probably a, uh, plays a role in the way my career played out is the complete journeyman of spending one year pretty much everywhere. Is because when you have coaches start getting fired, they they tend to bring in new guys, so it's hard to have any continuity. So. Um, although, you know, Panthers players may be frustrated with the way the season's going, it's not good for many of the guys on that team if the coach gets fired. There's probably 10 to 15 guys who are truly secure yeah. in their job. And, and uh, you know, just so everybody knows, Mike was a, a one, was under a one-and-done coach that everybody wishes was kind of still the coach of Carolina, Steve Wilkes in Arizona. So, hey, you know, one-and-done coaches can actually, <laughs> you know, go somewhere else and maybe find their footing a bit better, uh, even if they don't get a chance to keep that job. Uh, State Carolina week. It, do, do you sense it in the community? Like, if, if you are out to, to eat, is the waiter like, I went to Chapel Hill and then <laughs> knocking over your water? Like, is that how this goes? I don't think it's quite that stretch. And, uh, but I will say I've had numerous people already come up to me saying, Are you going to the game this weekend? When it's, when it's just implied, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the State Carolina game. You know, people often will say, Are you going to the state game this weekend? It's just like, it's the game mm -hmm. in the triangle. And, um, that's was the beauty of living in this region is we don't have the professional football teams, but we got three, you know, ACC programs here, and and this week matters. Mm. 
And um, it's the last game. I mean, I can't believe it's already the last game of the regular season. It seems like season just started, but it's a great way to ca- uh, cap off the year. Uh, and, and it's it's the buzz of town, and I think a lot of that has to do with both teams being eight and three. You know, you got a, a, a probably number two pick of the draft on one side, and you got a, a NC State team that's red hot. Defense is great, and, and honestly, the offense is looking better than ever and, and probably played better than the defense. So it should be a great game. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great environment, and uh, I know NC State fans are, are ready to get loud and, and kind of show Drake May, you know, maybe maybe we couldn't get into Carolina, but but we can, <laughs> we can have a good time, we can drink, and, and we can get loud when you're on offense. Uh, you, you didn't think they were talking about Duke hosting 3-8 and eight pit? You, <laughs> you figured out which game they were talking about? Makes sense. Uh, Nine-win season is on the line. You mentioned they're both 8-3. and three. Uh, You know, expectations matter when it comes to things like nine-win seasons, right? Everybody wants to be bowl eligible. Both of these teams are bowl eligible. Everybody wants to play for the ACC championship. Neither of these teams are going to play for the ACC championship. But based on expectations, a nine-win season for State, given the fact that they benched the quarterback that's playing now once already, they had a quarterback decide that he he didn't want to play anymore due to preserving his red shirt. Their starting running back from the beginning of the year decided he was not going to play uh, the rest of the year. Jordan Houston, he was going to transfer. Their starting quarter or starting running back from the middle of the year, Michael Allen, just announced he's not going to play in this last one. He's going to uh, going to transfer, uh, and and somehow you're eight and three with a nine and three win on this or nine and three season on, on the line with 10 wins in a bowl game potentially on the line is this Dave Doran's best coaching job since he's been in Raleigh I really think it, it is um the expectations weren't there at the start of the season I think everyone thought last year was that year where they had the high expectations Devin Leary the defense with Drake Thomas and and all those guys everyone thought last year was the year and this year, the expectations were lower, and, and maybe that's where we're at our best is we sneak up on people. And I, I think, you know, after that Duke game, it wasn't looking good. I mean, there yeah. was there was fans out there that were were not happy about year 11, Dave Doran, and that narrative has completely changed. Um, Dave has done an incredible job. I think you have to give him a ton of credit. The offense, the defense has been great all year. But offensively, after that bye week, they kind of come up with a new gimmicky gadget system and – MJ and now Brennan I mean it, it, it's they're playing really well and I think there is a strong argument that this is the best the best season he's had at NC State if, if you want a like a, a, a boiled down microcosm of what it's like to be a college football head coach uh, I mean it wasn't two months ago that there were at least fans asking should Dave Doran be the guy is he is he you know should they move on has it run its course uh, and and this week I've read an article suggesting he should be a candidate for the Michigan State job, and I'm going like, wow, that has changed a ton from the school that you are the all-time winningest coach at, saying you know your fans saying maybe they should be done with you, to other schools with giant budgets, you know should be looking in, into his services, and and that's I mean that's college football, right? You you deal with a tough situation in in a good way, and all of a sudden everybody loves you, um, and one of those is Brennan Armstrong, who is one of the 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 stories of the year as far as like, uh, you know, rising from the ashes. Uh, I like these things called if-then statements on 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 sports radio. So I'm going to give you an if-then statement, and I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. Right. If blank happens, then Brennan Armstrong will be able to keep up his feel-good run versus North Carolina. If – honestly, if the, if the line can open up some holes, mm. then I think Brennan Armstrong is going to have a big game. I mean, no one's been able to stop him. I mean, he's – He's running the ball at a very high clip, uh, averaging, I don't know, almost 
Yeah, eight. five, five, six, seven yards a carry. Yeah, I mean, it, it's impressive. He had that 45-yard run. He would have had well over 100 yards if it weren't for the, the few kneel downs at the end of the game. So I think if, if they can just open up some holes, he, he's fun to watch because he runs. He's not a finesse player at all. He's physical. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder. He's not afraid to leave it all on the field. I was a little concerned as he was walking <laughs> off the field the other day. He didn't look like a guy that had just won a game in Blacksburg. He looked like a guy that was uh, – well, actually, and, no, and, he did kind of look like a guy that's won a game in right, Blacksburg. <laughs> but he wasn't celebrating. There yeah. wasn't smiles on his faces. It looked like a guy that was in a lot of pain. So um, I ho- he, he deserves it. I hope he gets a huge ovation on senior day because although it was just for one year, the way he handled things, the way he plays, the, the passion, the leadership he showed, I, I think he's uh, you know turned into an NC State favorite. All, you know, and I don't think anyone would have said that. <laughs> Um, after the Louisville game. So I'm really happy for him. It is a feel-good story, and hopefully he, he can walk off that field on Saturday you know, one last time in Carter-Finley with a victory. Yeah, I, I think he'll have one of the biggest pops on senior day. You have to say one of because there's guys like Peyton Wilson who's yeah. going to have, I mean, the, the roof blown off a place that doesn't have a roof. <laughs> so uh, so Peyton Wilson, just shout-out, Defensive Player of the Year and all the all the runnings. We talk about it enough. Uh, matter of fact, we talk about it on the Pack Therapy podcast, which I host with Mike. New episode uh, coming out shortly, so, so make sure you check that out uh, everywhere podcasts can be found. Mike, we appreciate you for stopping by. Thanks for having me, Tim. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.